On behalf of Hospice of the Piedmont, welcome to the E-Series, an educational podcast aimed at engaging our community, exploring relevant topics, and educating about ways to connect with our organization. Funding for the E-Series is provided by the Dr. John A. Lusk Fund for Hospice and Palliative Care Education. My name is Ryan Biagini, and I am your host. In this episode, Hospice of the Piedmont CEO, Trent Cockrum, is joined by Cher Limpock, Hospice of the Piedmont volunteer, and someone who has had personal experience with caregiving. Together, they explore the meaningful role of caregiving, the challenge of balancing caregiver and care recipient needs, and why a societal shift toward increasing support for caregivers is necessary. Cher brings with her a wealth of personal experience related to both caregiving and spiritual care. She began volunteering with Hospice of the Piedmont in 2012 as a patient volunteer and has served in additional capacities since that time, including a special events volunteer, bereavement volunteer with the Grief Counseling Center, a CareLink speaker, auxiliary chaplain, and paid chaplain. She now leads Hospice of the Piedmont's newly formed caregiver support group. Let's listen in. Cher, it is so great to have you um, with me today. Um, I so appreciate your being here. Um, you have, you know, such a great involvement with our organization, but you also have an incredibly important story um, to be able to share with our listeners today. Um, and so as we sort of just really jump right into this conversation, um, you have been both a caregiver and now you're in a, and now you're in a, a role to help support to help support caregivers. So can you talk a little bit about each of those and just sort of, you know, give us a background about how we arrived here? Sure, thank you for having me today. I'm uh, very happy to be here as a part of your E-Series. I have had a lot of experience with caregiving. Uh, My initial experience with hospice began years ago when my mother-in-law had uh, stage four lung cancer And I was able to watch hospice care close up, just the watch and see how it went, what they did, how the family responded to having hospice care come into the home. She was quite ill and they they just did an amazing job. I remember feeling so uh, touched and overwhelmed at the expertise and the care that was given. So my mother-in-law was quite ill with, uh, with lung cancer and my sister-in-law was the primary caregiver for her and her husband, uh, my father-in-law. And so when we would go to visit, we would often just give them an afternoon off a day or two where they could go and take care of the needs they had and we took care of her. And eventually my father-in-law, about four or five years later, also had lung disease and needed hospice care. So we did that again in that um, environment again later. And then um, more recently, my my mother um, passed away with uh, lung disease, but she was in a nursing home. So I was her main advocate, I would say, and caregiver here in town. I have two sisters, but they live elsewhere. And so the weight of being her advocate and caregiver fell to me. So I had uh, several years. She moved from being very independent 
to a, um, an assisted living need and eventually had a big fall and ended up in nursing care. And right. so I came alongside of her during that time. And so what you describe here really very succinctly and um, in a really sort of accessible way, I think, are two different types of caregiving. You were a distance caregiver for your in-laws, your mother and father-in-law at different times. And then you were sort of a tangential caregiver for your mom, um, probably more hands-on as she lived in independent living. And then um, as she sort of progressed through uh, the the different living environments um, in, um, uh, in the facility in the center that she lived in, you likely, that caregiving role likely changed. Can you talk a little bit about sort of the differences of being a long distance caregiver versus being a tangential caregiver? And then what are the things that were, that in your observations were really common? Yes, I can. I, um, I think initially I had no idea the weight of being a caregiver. Mm. I watched my sister-in-law do it. And um, eventually my, uh, her brother came and helped her. Uh, But I don't think I had uh, the understanding of what it took to do that until it was my own mother. And watching my own mother go through it, I honestly think you don't really understand what it feels like to be that caregiver until you're doing it. Mm -hmm. Uh, The difference is just monumental, the weight that you feel as a caregiver. It really has a lot to do with taking on the role of um, of your loved one because they are no longer able to. So you, you step into that role of thinking for them. And eventually I took over all of my mom's um, financial work and all of her, uh, you know, every, in every way I was basically acting as her advocate, mm-hmm. you know, doing sure. all the things that she needed to do. I helped her with her medications. I helped her with all of it, but also emotionally. So I support her emotionally as well. And then uh, one of the things I think we forget about caregivers is not only are they providing all this physical and emotional support, but they are losing the person they love. So they are personally going through a really heavy time in their own life because sure. they're losing their spouse or their mother or father or their child or their dear friend. And uh, it's, a, it's a heavy weight. Yeah. And, you know, I would imagine that the weight um, is in so many ways, it's really disproportionate because um, you've got this person whom you're caring for that has an awareness many times that, you know, they're losing some independence or they're losing some functionality. They're losing something that many of us, you know, that all of us really, not many of us, that all of us really take for sort of granted that we don't think about immediately, but it becomes both, it becomes very real for both the, the individual, you know, in your case, your, your mom or your in-laws, but then also for the people who are watching it, because knowing it is one thing, watching mm-hmm. it is something different. And it affect, it has, I think you're right, there is an emotional weight that goes along with that, that, that sort of, you know, is, is probably a, 
greater sense of perhaps exhaustion than the physical components of actually doing the caregiving. That's hard too. You know, it's just a, a thought I have. Yeah. Absolutely. I think that's very, very well said. There is that heavy weight of uh, if you have a person in your home that you're caring for, your again, your your spouse or your partner or your mother or father, whatever. Those kinds of uh, physical things that need to be done. It's the it's the constant uh, making sure that they have food. It's changing beds. It's right. often that you're taking them to the bathroom. You're doing all the physical things besides being aware of. Have they had their medication? Are they breathing properly? Do I need to call somebody in? But then the the heaviness of what they are going through, they are losing their independence. They're losing their life. Um, they're losing their time to do what they want to do at the same time that you are losing them. So that is a very heavy weight. Um, in one of my roles as uh, with hospice, I lead a group of caregivers in a support setting. And um, often what I'm finding with those, with those people, they come together and they're just so overwhelmed mm -hmm. that they want to just uh, unload somewhere. And I think that's because you have such an isolation happening. You know, you're, you're spending all your time as a caregiver making sure that things are happening in your home properly for this person um, you carry the weight of making right decisions, proper decisions for this person. And uh, it, it's very isolating. I know in my own life, um, I was working full time uh, and eventually cut that back so that I could have time to care and be aware of what my mom was going through. And right. I know so often people have to give up their jobs to do this. You know, one of the things um, that I think this most recent part of our conversation really reminds me of is that is that as individuals experience a decline as it becomes more taxing on a caregiver it creates there's a transition for both um it, you know for most people many people um becoming a caregiver happens over a span of time and it can happen so very gradually. For some people, it happens very suddenly. And, and there's a mix of that. But, but helping people, helping both caregivers, as you just alluded to in your, in your caregiver support uh, role within our own organization, um, helping them understand that this is as a, much of a transition for them as it is for the individual for whom they're caring, I think is probably a pretty powerful realization for most of them and probably helps them begin, you know, some concept of self-awareness and self-care, right? It really does. Yes. And just as you're saying, I think we go into it as caregivers without any knowledge, really, or very right. little knowledge of what is coming. You know, you, you do it because you should. You feel very responsible, but often that's that's being born out of love for the person you're caring about. And it's, it's as if you want to say, well, of course, I'll care for you. Come in, come in, we'll work it out. We'll work it out. 
But as time goes on, the realization of the skills that you don't have that you need to have or the weight of doing it is more than you know what to do with. Mm-hmm. It becomes very, very heavy. Um, it occurred to me recently, um, you uh, the history of our hospice organization back to the 70s uh, when it was this grassroots effort to care for people at the end of their life. There was a realization that people needed a greater uh, care or maybe even anticipating what was needed as people approached end of life. And there was a groundswell of people coming together and saying, we we must do better than what we're doing now. It seems to me that being uh, aware as an organization of what the needs are for caregivers is coming about in a similar way. It's, it's as if we're saying, wow, I, the caregiver has been there all along, but now I'm aware of the needs they have of the needs that, that we may have just taken for granted. And now what a better job we might be able to do to support them. I think you're absolutely right. And that's part of what we're doing now, you know, in our own organization is beginning a a real concerted effort to truly understand and, and even understand in a way that we never knew before. Hi friends. It's your host, Ryan Biagini. You can be part of the exciting work that hospice of the Piedmont is doing in the caregiving space. Your support is important to help us fulfill our mission and provide care to all in need. To partner with us through giving, visit the donate page at www.hospiceofthepiedmont.org. And now let's get back to the conversation. You know, so many times, I think as care professionals, we have this notion of, well, we know what's best. Well, the difference in that is, is we know an individual or group of individuals for a snippet of time, not for a lifetime. So the caregiver knows them for this expansive period of time. And so we can't learn a a lifetime about someone in a short period of time. But what we can do is understand from the caregiver how we can help make, how we can help them remain whole as a person, as a caregiver who's doing this important emotional and physical work that then allows us to better honor the individual um, to whom we're providing care, right? I think they work hand in hand. It's really symbiotic in in my thought, but that's a a little bit of a selfish plug for our own organization, but I'm, I'm interested in your thoughts about that. It actually is. And I, I feel it as a, um, it has to be both and, doesn't it? Uh, yeah. I think it really does. We we obviously, as a caregiver, my main goal is to make sure that the person I'm caring about is well cared for. Right. The medical side, the physical side, the emotional, the spiritual, all the different ways that I, as a caregiver, want to care for that person. But at the very same time, um, I'm, I'm going through something very dramatic in my own life, traumatic often. And so for me to be able to give what I want to give, uh, the, the realization of knowing I have to have support 
mm-hmm. is often something that that dawns on me <laughs> over time rather than anticipating it right. before it happens. I'm suddenly going, wow, this is so heavy. I don't know what to do with this. I'm not sure I can. And you get up in the morning and you say, I have to do this again, but I don't know if I have the the fortitude to do it. Right. I'm not sure I have the what I need to make it happen today. And then right. you suddenly say, where where do I go for help? Right. And and I think that is the space that we can fill in a well, better role. I appreciate that. And and you know, something that just occurred to me as you were talking is this reality that many caregivers will experience, which is they get to the end of their caregiving role. Um, and let's be clear that the end of the caregiving role is when you no longer have that caregiving responsibility. And, and if someone, if the person you're caring for goes into an institutional setting, you still have a caregiving responsibility. You, you cannot give that up. Most people cannot give up that responsibility. Um, uh, you know, there's still some ongoing engagement, but for most people, many people, many caregivers, um, they get to the end of their caregiving experience and realize I've spent so much time caring for somebody else that I didn't allow, I don't know how to take care of myself now. And I think that's really real. And so if we back that up just a bit in the conversation that we were just having, and we begin to really help caregivers understand, wow, you're not a superhero. You don't have to feel like one. Um, understanding that 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 it's okay to be a little to be overwhelmed, but you have a support structure. And that's what we're talking about creating, enhancing, I think, even in our own organization for 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 our own caregivers. So you know, I want to punt that back to you for just a, a, a brief reflection. Absolutely. I, I appreciate the opportunity to speak to that. I think that that's exactly the way that it comes upon a caregiver. They, they don't realize how exhausted they are until right. it happens, until they, they are beyond exhausted. Right. And as you say, so often once their caregiving role is over, they are at a loss for how to plug back into life because they've done, often people have been doing this for years or at least for months and uh, you lose connections. You even lose uh, track of who you are as a person. And often you have changed over that time. Mm -hmm. There's been significant things that have happened in your own life and you become uh, you never go back to who you were because this experience has changed you forever. So you need to move into this caregiving role with a greater anticipation of either what might happen or else how can I support myself? I think sometimes people just need to have a breather. They need space in their life. They need to schedule somebody to come in once a week to give them a place to breathe and to be on their own again for a few hours. Um, And that keeps you connected to who you are as a person. Um, I make phone calls to families who have lost loved ones um, six or eight weeks after the loss. And so often I almost feel as if almost every call includes a, a statement where the caregiver is saying, oh, I wish I had called hospice sooner. 
Mm-hmm. And that statement to me is much more about caregiving than it is even about the patient. Often oh, is yeah. how to care for the patient better. But what they're basically saying is, I was at such a loss and hospice has come in and given me that foundation of support that helps me feel as if I can keep doing this and helped the patient to have a greater quality of life, which gives a lot of um, assurance to the caregiver. Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's as much about um, an affirmation that you're, you're, we acknowledge this is hard. Um, we can tell you you're doing all the right things and you know we're we're human right so we we all love to hear that we're doing the things that that in particular prudent experts um are you know like our own care teams are saying you're doing all the right things it, it's it's almost like this sort of um validation um that that we seek to think you know okay right? I am doing the right thing because the experts are telling me I'm doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. So, and also learning the right way to do it. Um, oh, yeah. Most caregivers don't have the skills it takes. And so they're learning, this is the way you give a medication. Or when you see this sign uh, in your loved one, then this would be your step to take. And right. that, that kind of support is uh, I, I can't even put words to it. Um, we're so lost as caregivers. We often just want to say, I can do it. And yet we don't have the skills it takes to do it. Right. And that same is the sort of the reverse is true in so many ways for what we are able to get from caregivers. Again, for that sort of similar uh, premise that we just talked about a few moments ago, which is knowing someone for a lifetime versus knowing someone for a snippet of time. Um and so we get as much from the caregiver about how we, you know, really create an, um, uh, an equitable delivery of care. And, and, and equitable isn't that everybody gets the same thing. Equitable is, you know, we know is really about what you, what you need versus what we think you need. There's a, a real difference, right? Um, yeah. There is a real difference. I think that's so true. So often uh, I've talked to caregivers who um, are so aware of the the person they're caring about. This is their lifelong mate or their their um, mother, their child. And um, being able to say the greatest thing in their life is being able to feel the sun on their face, being able to hear the breeze in the trees, you know, to be able to. And so as a caregiver to share that, and then for hospice to come alongside and say, how can we help? How can we make this last uh, end of life days, weeks, and months in, in a more beautiful way for this person to live their life wholly and fully? And as a, as a caregiver, we're, we're speaking into that on a regular basis. Right. Um, you know, share one of the things that um we haven't really talked about um is you know well actually you did you you mentioned this a a little earlier in the conversation um and we just hit on it just now uh it's about you know understanding what caregivers needs and in the case of your mother and father-in-law you and your husband actually provided respite 
for your sister-in-law to be able to go and do these things, right? Um, and, um, you know, can you talk just a little bit about why that was so important or why that is so important? I guess my sister-in-law was giving, um, she had small children at the time, her, and she was doing her entire role as a parent, as a wife, as a, a homemaker and working at the same time. So when we would come to town, um, for her to be able to step back and let it go for a while, sometimes an afternoon, sometimes an overnight, was the one of the greatest things we could give her as a gift because she gained this sense of who am I as a person again. I'm not, I'm I'm able to see my child's game. I'm able to wake up in the morning and know that. Uh, her daughter is getting ready for school and needs to have a particular uh, item to take to school that day without constantly worrying about her mother and mm-hmm. worrying that her mom was okay and that she has the right medications today. And uh, it's such a gift to be able to give a caregiver. They often don't know what to do with it because they can't unplug mentally, but you give them the gift anyway. And the emotional support is amazing. Thank you for joining us for part one of our discussion on the value of caregiving. Join us next time as we continue this conversation exploring the challenge of balancing caregiver and care recipient needs and why a societal shift toward increasing support for caregivers is necessary. Until then, I'm Ryan Viagini, and this has been the E-Series.